and gentlemen, welcome to the PGA DraftCast brought to you by WinDailySports.com. Just a quick reminder that WinDaily Sports doesn't just cover golf. They cover the NFL, the NHL, MLB, NBA, soccer, MMA, NASCAR, you name the sport. WinDaily Sports has projection models, optimizers, articles, and our famous Discord chat to cover it all. Now, if you click the promo link below and you type in Win Big or Green, you will get one week free of WinDaily. And then after that, it is just $5.99 per week for all of that, including some of our betting content. Now, let's get to the PGA DraftCast, where we have proven track records with Joel, Spencer, David, and myself. Let's have some fun. Get in the chat. Make sure you subscribe to the page and make sure you hit the like button. Let's do this snake draft. Let's do the PGA DraftCast. Let's do it right now. PGA Nation, we are back. And we're back with another very fun week of golf. Don't let the Masters hangover hold you down because we're coming back hot with the Heritage at Harbortown with a fully loaded field. It's going to be a really, really fun event this week. We're going to make some more money. Unfortunately, as you can notice, C couldn't make it tonight, but... We found a new captain for Team Audience. Joining us tonight, Byron, how you doing? I am fantastic. You know, we needed a more handsome-looking individual than Sia, so I thought I was a great fit for the show. And, um, you know, repping, I know we got a few Jets fans in the chat that I typically hang out with there on a Tuesday night that I love to do, and I thought I'd wear the Jets ad for a little, little recognition. So J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 let's go. I love it. And I, I thought it would be a good idea to bring Byron on tonight. You know, I, I will say, you know, Byron, you were my pick to help captive the audience. So the odds are you're probably going to withdraw at some point in the show. But it's okay. <laughs> I love the audience in the backup. So no worries there. Spence, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. You know, I actually couldn't tell what was on Byron's hat. I thought it was money for a second. And now I see the Jets, which are like the opposite of money. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I don't know. But I, I am doing well. If that hat is any uh, uh, anticipation of what's going to happen in terms of your draft, if you're going to draft like the Jets, uh, I'm happy about where we sit right now. So that is, there is no problem there. David, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. Thanks, man. I'm good. Um, I mean, what a Masters. I mean, I think John Rahm was a, an incredibly worthy champion. You know, it was a, it was a time of reflection, right? Because it was such a, it was a wild week. I mean, we had disruptions on the Friday, Saturday through to Sunday and they ended up with this really weird situation, you know, where we had guys going off both tees for those final two rounds and a lot of thunderstorms in place to try and get that Sunday finish, which we eventually got. You know, in hindsight, John Rahm, you know, I, I pointed out in my article these two tournaments, which are like the key indicators for the Masters. Those are the Century Tournament Champions and Plantation, and the other is the Genesis Invitational at Riviera. John Rahm won both of those events. So in hindsight, it's like John Rahm is possibly a really obvious pick. On the flip side, he overcame probably what's going to be the biggest weather edge that we see for the entire year i mean his his group in terms of uh, the tea times um we're playing over three shots over par compared to the the a and pm guys who went um just 0.23 over par so realistically john rahm lacked this field by some margin and um i think it's it's an interesting way to look going into this week 
of guys who still managed to perform incredibly well despite being on the wrong side of a pretty significant weather edge. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it was super impressive. What John Ron did this weekend, like, it wasn't just he played great golf for the weekend. There was a significant edge, right, David? I mean, it wasn't just like, yeah, it was a little bit of weather edge. The fact that he gave it, and not only won, but one handle it, right? He, he really won the tournament. It wasn't like it was he just got there on the birdie in the last hole. Um, and we've said this before, John Rahm will have waves. Well, maybe he'll lose a little bit of form. But overall, John Rahm over the last two years has been super impressive. And it seems like, I mean, coming off a Masters win, he's only getting better. So um, when you do find a course that fits Rahm's game, it's very hard for even a guy outside the top 10 to even compete with him because he's just so consistent, so powerful, uh, so precise. So needless to say, I love up me some Rom and Rom will definitely be someone that we'll be going back to this season. Before we dive in to the draft, Spence, what are you looking for in the course at Harbortown this week? So I found this course to be extremely challenging when trying to run numbers this week. On paper, it's this highly strategic layout where we do see driving distance reduced by 15 yards while still featuring this massive impact in strokes gained off the tee difficulty. There's a reason this course always lands inside the top five when we talk about the effect it possesses in that area. But I'm not so much a believer in the core answer that most are landing on this week in the venue being primarily an accuracy setup. Like, sure, you can find yourself in massive trouble when you miss these fairways to the wrong side. The rough is going to be up a little bit, but um, you also have the tree line nature here. But there's a couple things there. So, one, most tee shots land in the same areas. We already know that, but it's an angle issue for wayward drives beyond anything else. Uh, Two, because everyone's landing in the same area. I think that's obviously why we can call this a club down course. These are standard answers so far, but I actually think that factor might reward golfers with some distance who have quality, you know, whether it's a five wood or iron play that can club down and they're big and strong and they can find these fairways more frequently. To me, that's why golfers like Cameron Young and Cameron Davis have played well here. They have this strength to where they club down easier. And then you get this increase from 125 to 200 yards where 10.7% more shots come from that distance. So that kind of feels like the perfect recipe for success here. And then Three, I don't know if we know what this course is from a metric standpoint, since most golfers that are playing it yearly have been a mixed bag of distance-reduced names in your mix of stars. That does not mean that we're all of a sudden starting going to start getting, you know, this driver-heavy course where people are going to pull driver out of the bag. But I also don't think the driving distance is going to be as low. And even if we're talking two, three, four yards here of a difference, uh, that makes a difference to me for some of these guys that club down easier that have that proximity range. So that's my unique take on it. I know like I'm one of the only people that is viewing it that way. I think most are taking a different approach with it, but that's my one way to try to get different from a model building perspective, rather than trying to land on the same exact answer of accuracy, accuracy, accuracy. I love it. I love it. There you have it. And in my opinion, I do think that this unique course setup does mean that there is kind of, some unique golfers that you're going to want to target. I think it's maybe not a good fit for some guys and it should help you narrow down your player pool this week to make sure you are going after those guys um, that, you know, should be able to have some success on this course. What I'll add to that is 
in Harpertown's previous, you know, few years, there's really only been one field similar to this one. Majority of the past, you know, few years, it's been a much more watered down JV type of field. So do what you will with that in terms of course history, right? I mean, I still I still think it matters. Obviously, some guys just like this this layout and the punting greens, and I think that there is a little bit of an edge there, but those guys who are consistently getting those top tens those aren't top tens with every golfer in the field this week. So keep that in mind. Um, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and pull the draft board up so we can get into the draft. For order, we have to congratulate Greg Ducharme for coming through with an excellent draft last week and taking us all down. So we allowed Byron this week to go ahead and pick the order. And Byron let David go first. He's going to go second, Spencer third. And I will go last. As a reminder, this works like your standard snake draft, one through four. I will get two picks and then we'll go back. You have to draft your lineup within the drafting salary. So you can't come in here and just take all the best guys. Make sure you keep salary in mind as you pick your team. Audience, you will be drafting with Byron. You normally draft with him anyway. Just this time you'll get to see him when you do so. Make sure as David gets his picks and you get your nominations in. But without further ado, David, you're on the clock. Yeah, and rare opportunity for me. I don't often get the first pick, so I appreciate Byron giving me the chance to to lead out with this one. And I think we've seen a, a trend on the previous shows where we've kind of been going to the top of the board to to start the week with um, with our first selections. I'm not going to do that here. I'm going to go and I'm going to grab a guy actually in the 7K range that I think is just hugely undervalued. Um, the ownership probably reflects that um but i'm expecting an extremely good week from russell henley who will be the first pick off the board at the pga Draftcast. coming in off a fourth place finish at the masters he's got excellent history on this course including a ninth place we saw him win at um, mayakoba another positional golf course where accuracies um at a premium He's one of the best approach players, particularly in the 100-150 yard bracket, which is key for around this course. He's within the top five um, for that on the PGA Tour since January this year, and he's entering in great form. So, great course history, and he's just he's uh, he's hugely underpriced. Obviously, the pricing coming out um, reflecting the fact that this is a stronger field, but we've seen good history here. And a fourth of the Masters was hugely disproportionate to um, what we'd probably have expected from Henley entering that week. I like it. I like it. Henley certainly looked good last week. Spence, what do you think about uh, Henley this week at Harbortown? Like, obviously, he nuked his ownership when he did that at the Masters. I wish that that wouldn't have happened uh, because he's a massively intriguing player this week. I worry a little bit about the volatility if he's going to be 15%, but he's also like when I think when the odds released and he came out at 60 to one, he was a little bit higher than there at some books. It's probably one of the best values that was out in the market at that time. So uh, to me, at least he has legitimate win equity in a field that is stacked from top to bottom. So I, I think from an upside standpoint, Henley's ceiling is really, really high this week. Boom, there you have it. Russell Henley with your first pick. Byron, with the second pick, who are you looking at? So I think we're going to need some some audience participation, yeah, because I've got guys I've got in mind. I've got some highlighted individuals, yeah. 
but I'm going to let them, I'm vamping a little bit because I don't think they realize that I'm on their team. You know, I'm not going to be going rogue and just picking my own guys as much as I really want to do that and dominate you guys. But I'll let them give excuses, some names. And then, excuses. And then I'm going to just, you know, let some, not like a Ben, I'm not going to go Ben Martin off the top rope. So that's out, Lindsay. Sorry. Um, I'm going to need some more names to come in here, but I see one I really like, but there's someone that I really, really want to get nominated. And then who's above? 9400 bucks and in and lower than 98 that you guys should maybe nominate and then i really there we go okay cool so sia just nominated cam young and as he's part of the audience i cannot help but to enjoy that name being nominated because the reason i went second is because i had two guys that i was really sure about that i wanted to take first and he was one of them the other hasn't been taken yet. So it seems as though David went right off, you know, in the 7K range, which is, you know, a little, little heel turn there, but we'll let him do his thing. Big fan of Cam Young this week. Great course history. My God, is he playing some good golf right now? And he's got Paul Tesori now on his, on his bag, who's Webb's caddy. He's got great information to give to Cam. And he doesn't even need to, like, give him the basics. He can give him the nuances of this Harbortown golf course because Cam finished inside the top five year last year. And his game translates so well. He's playing fantastic golf. I love his salary saving. Sign me up for Cam Young and sign the audience up for Cam Young. Well, there you have it. Cam Young is certainly playing some great golf. Um, but, David, what do you think about him here at Harbortown? Yeah, I think he's a great fit. Um, Spence alluded to this. Of you know, it, it, It's a positional golf course and accuracy comes at a premium, but it also translates to some of the shortest driving distance on the entire PGA Tour. Um, so of um, the last few seasons, it's averaged just 274 yards off the tee at Harbortown. That just indicates that a lot of these guys are going to be clubbing down. And I do think that players like Cam Young, where driving distance is such an asset in their game, perhaps a lot of DFS players tend to shy away just from the fact that they're not going to be able to utilize that full driving distance to the, the, the full of their ability. But Cam Young's just an approach machine at the moment. Um, he's absolutely destroying it with the ball striking. You know, that's key for around this course with some of the smaller screens that we'll see the entire year. So I really like the play. Boom. There you have it. All right, Spencer, I assume you're scrambling. Your pick was taken. Who are you going to rebound with? So this is very similar to the 1984 NBA draft where Michael Jordan, which I, by, Byron, by the way, I don't know how many NBA comparisons I can make with you over these last two shows. I've turned it more into NBA comparisons and a golf show with it. But uh, Michael Jordan fell to third in that draft. And I mean, I think the answer to most people is at this point, Michael Jordan would be John Rahm. But I'm going to say Michael Jordan is Scotty Scheffler here. He is number one in my model in weighted proximity from 125 to 200 yards. He's number one in ball striking. He's number one in GIR percentage inside the top five for par five average, including becoming second in par five birdie or better percentage. Scotty Scheffler, if a putt can just go in for him, he's going to win a tournament. Like he's the best ball striker in the world right now. And I tend to think that a club down spot for him is actually a good tournament. Um, I met, might not be the prototypical answer that a lot of people out there would give, but I mean, ownership wise, it looks to be that way, but I do really, really like Scotty this weekend. That's one of the reasons why I have such an under, like 
my betting card is a one-man card because I'm kind of afraid Scotty Scheffler is going to win and I don't want to dump a lot of money into this tournament. So uh, give me Scotty Scheffler at $11,000 flat. So does Scotty have, does his putter have the flu then? Or is that the like correlation trying to make with, <laughs> with Jordan or? I mean, that's a perfect, that's a perfect fit. To, we can call it that right now. And we know what he did in the flu game. So uh, this looks like a win to me. I think in terms of the putting, I, just to, to touch on that, because it is smaller greens, you are going to see less of those long-range putts um, that perhaps plague um, some of these guys. You know, there may be more emphasis on around the green for me than um, on putting in general. And we saw just last year, Jordan Spieth won this tournament losing strokes putting. Shane Lowry was third, probably should have won, and lost strokes putting as well. Um, so there, there is kind of a tendency around this course that putting maybe isn't as emphasised which for Scheffler we know is his um, his biggest flaw. I mean, he was one of the worst putters last week at the the Masters in the entire field. And if he'd putted at anywhere close to even or above, he, he would have easily been top five. Yeah, what we can add to, to Scotty is, you know, long term, he's not as bad of a putter as, you know, guys like Morikawa or, you know, Thomas. So, I would expect that to bounce back um, and that, you know, he'll, he'll get that corrected. And, you know, the ball striking is not going anywhere. So um, the ownership number does look pretty high. You know, I was thinking that maybe because, you know, relatively to Scotty, it was maybe a slightly disappointing Masters, even though I mean, he still played pretty well. Uh, maybe the ownership would come down a little bit at 1,100, but it didn't. But I would agree. I mean, if there's somebody that, you know, is going to come out here and, and be the expected winner for me right now. I, I got to think Scotty is the favorite. And then just really quickly, just to touch on what Jimmy just said in the chat, the chat a second ago, Jordan did go third in the draft. It was uh, Akeem Olajuwon Bowie and, and Jordan third. Poor Bowie. <laughs> anyway. Um, all right. Well, I am up. I got two picks. Um, so I have to make sure I can just get somebody that, plays in the tournament. If I can do that, I'm going <laughs> um, to probably end up with my first pick. I'm going to take someone that will likely end up getting thrown out of the tournament for playing too slow. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know what? My biggest concern with Cantlay this week is that like, is that in his head? Because everyone's talking about his slow play and is he going to go out this week and like try and play faster or just not be himself because – he doesn't want the nerves, or does he not care? And is he going to go out there, play super slow, and like dominate the field? Which is what I'm hoping, and this is why he's my first pick. You know what? The the reasons behind it are he's got a tremendous course history. He clearly likes this place. Um, you know, of his last five tries out here, he's got four top tens and three top fives. So uh, he's on the brink of taking one down. I think if he gets and he's playing great. I mean, his ball striking has been there. He wasn't great on Sunday at the Masters, but he had a really great week. The ball striking has been there. You know he's got a phenomenal short game and putting. So this does feel like a spot for maybe Catley to finally break through um, and get a win this season. So I'll start there. And then with my second pick, uh, I'm going to lean on some value. Um, I want to be able to get some guys who I think can compete, but maybe not in the upper echelon. Guy I really like this week for a lot of similar reasons is Shane Lowry. At 8,300, you know, you're getting a really good value here. He's another guy with a tremendous course history in his last four tries. He's got three top tens, uh, two T3s. 
again, he's another guy whose ball striking has been there. He's in really good form right now. So to match his ball striking in form to a course that we know he really likes, I think is a really good opportunity for, for Lowry to give us a, a really good result. How about you, Byron? Are you looking at Lowry this week? I I don't mind Cantley. Uh, he was one of my two guys I was going to go for. I just can't stand Lowry. Um, the, his putting has just been too bad for too long. And I, I don't think the course history is reflective of what he's playing at right now. It might be a an oversight in my part. But um, to get back to Cantley, though, if you see his Twitter account, it's generated by a comp- like a robot. So I don't <laughs> think he's seeing... like what we're talking about online, you know, and this, and there's someone's like telling him, Hey, we, you, you are just molassesly slow right now. Like get it together. What's going on. I also don't think he, he cares. You know, he's such a confident individual. I don't think the slow play is a problem. I think the internet's just blowing it out of proportion because everyone had Brooks tickets and he was playing bad and they're blaming it on him. I think that's fair. Uh, fair. Yeah, <laughs> it was. I mean, if you watch it, it was going really slow, and yeah. there had to be a reason for it. Um, and it was annoying, but I, I think yeah, you make you make some good points. So, all right, Spencer, the second pick. Who are you looking at here? I, I don't think I'd have to take this golfer right now, but I'm going to just because the. To me, there are a couple players, and Cantley would fall into that mix. I think there's three golfers that are maybe not getting the results week in and week out. Like they're, they're competing, and, and Cantley and Scheffler being more so on the competing end than player I'm about to name right now. But there's three golfers that I feel like any week are ready to pop and win an event. And obviously, Scheffler Cantley fall into that mix. The third one is going to be somebody who I only see at 13% ownership right now, but I want to make sure I lock them in because. Uh, it's the only outright bet that I have. And that is Tony Finau at 9,400. I think Finau is ready to pop like, like in a big way at one of these moments. And there's a couple reasons for it. So he's number two in my model in weighted T to green over the past 24 rounds. He is also number 14 over the past 24 rounds in putting. Now this is a golfer that is struggling to provide top 10 finishes. He's kind of landing in this top 25 zone over and over again here. But something has to give based off of that answer. And I think when everybody thinks about Finau, they think about distance with him. Tony Finau is not necessarily a distance golfer anymore from the two-year regression model that I'm running. He is 33rd for me over that duration of time in uh, driving distance. I don't think that's the answer people would expect. I don't know what why that is for it. I, I couldn't give you that answer to it. But if you can tell me he can club down, he can use the weighted proximity from 125 to 200 yards, which places him third. And then he's also third in my model in ball striking. It's kind of the perfect recipe for what I am trying to find here for a golfer that is like a prototypical club down spot in the same breadth of what we're looking for in Cam Young, just maybe a little bit less distance at this point of his career right now. There you have it. Um, I think that makes sense. I think, you know, Tony's the guy that I think we've heard a lot of people say, like, it's hard to get him right, right? Like, you know, he, he'll he pop some weeks and then you don't play him and then he doesn't pop the next week. So um, I'll root for you on that one, but you didn't make my <laughs> pool this week. Uh, all if right. Play, if you play him every week, Joel, it's got to be right eventually. <laughs> well, maybe the week when it's, you know, the 3M open and it's only Ches Reeby to go up against. <laughs> <laughs> 
He'll have it. He'll definitely give me. No, I actually do think he could. He could have a good week here. Um, um, this week I'm just having a follow with you. So, Byron and the audience, you guys are on the clock. Get your nominations in. Byron, who are you looking at or leaning on with your second pick here? Yeah, no, Joel, that was some seriously funny stuff there. Um, I know you and I chatted about Tony yesterday, and it was we agreed like he's just an average between 20 and fifth all the time kind of guy. So I'm going to need the audience to get a little more alive. Yeah. I don't know why we obsessed with Justin Thomas at $8,900. We, I'm not going to go there. I'm, I'm so sorry. It's I'm, I can't afford to, to put Justin Thomas in my lineup at 20% ownership playing the way he is right now. Like, is he automatically just going to miraculously play better golf? But I'm seeing a Xander and a Tom Kim who, starts exciting me a little bit more especially with tom kim sitting a little a little lower down there but yeah the jt gate is going to be a thing that's gonna we're going to close that gate immediately and um we're gonna go with xander i'll take i'll take xander that's that's been committed so far we are now gonna have some salary issues folks so we're gonna have to get some some value plays in the on the board for us but i love xander this week in particularly because he's one of the best golfers from 175 yards to 200 yards and you're gonna see about a quarter of approach shots come from that range like spencer was mentioning earlier we're gonna see a lot of shots come from for all golfers come from the same area you know the par threes the layups on par fours all gonna be in that range Xander is one of these guys that is incredibly consistent. He's going to be inside the top 20 more often than not. And I think his driver issues has been one of his biggest flaws coming into this week. And going to a course like this, you're going to see a lot less driver off the tee anyway. And we'll see some three irons, three woods, things like that. And I think he's really solid from those ranges. So a lot to like about Xander. Um, no JT. I'm sorry, folks. It's a, it's a fade on me there. I like Xander, and one of the things I want to do this week, or what I've been doing, was looking at um, last week and seeing like who, which guys struggled in the you know storm, and like kind of give them some grace for that day. Xander kind of played well all week. Um, you know, he he was fine. I think you're right. I think Xander is kind of due for another big result. So I like Xander this week. How about you, David? Are you going to have Xander in your player pool? Um, I will have my plan, Paul. I'm not going to be overweight on him. I'll probably be at, at most at at um, field average for him. Um, I mean, obviously, the, the ball striking, as Byron mentioned, is is pretty phenomenal. Um, I do have some slight concerns around the green, um, and I, I, I do think he gets missed a little bit in that range compared to, to some of the other names that people would like to go to or if they're going straight to the top to, to the Shefflers and the Cantlays and the Rams of the world, it becomes quite difficult to get to Xander at 9,300 in your lineup. So I kind of like the, the beginning of the construction that you're going with two guys in the, the 9K and then the audience is going to have to drop down a little bit and um, go to the sort of mid-sevens, which um, coincidentally I'm going to make more difficult for them by taking two guys in that range uh, straight out of your, your pool. So I'm going to take uh, Chris Kirk for me. Uh, right there in that 7K range. Another player who um, was in the wrong wave at the Masters um, still managed to finish 23rd, which was um, an excellent result for him. Gained across the board other than off the tee, and that was largely down to um, driving distance, which we know isn't the strongest part of Chris Kirk's game. 
recent winner at the Honda Classic, PGA Nationals, a really good comp for this course here. Um, prior to that, he was third at the American Express and third at Sony Open. So American Express, again, peak die designs um, within that rotation. And uh, third, Sony Open, another shorter kind of positional golf course. So Chris Kirk's in really good form. His ball striking has really improved since January, and, and it kind of hasn't gone backwards since then. So I think that we're seeing some really good gains there. And um, the comp courses really check out really well for me. So I think he's fantastic value down there. I like his um, morning tea time as well. So he might feature a little bit later in the show. The other guy's um, Matt Kuchar. I think Matt Kuchar just gets overlooked because he's 44 years old and we kind of think that, you know, he might be a bit past his prime, but he's playing excellent golf at the moment. He was third recently at the Texas Open, his last start. He wasn't in the Masters field, so he's got none of that fatigue that some of these guys would have had from literally being at Augusta National from, from dawn till dusk um, while the, the rounds um, got played. Um, prior to that, he made it out of his group, um, was the... the um, the huge underdog to get out of his group um, at the match play and managed to do so. Um, and his history around Heritage is is excellent. So third last time out um, in 2022, um, never missed a cut here. And um, obviously a prior champion as well in 2014, champion at the Players, champion at Mayakoba. So all these positional kind of courses we're driving actually he's had a premium. Matt Kuchar shows up and, and I expect him to be um, there again this week. There you have it. Uh, I'm definitely on both those guys, uh, particularly like the Kirk call myself. How about you, Spence? Are you looking at either Kirk or Creature this week? So fun fact about Matt Kuchar. I think $7,700 is what he owes his caddy. So that, that's a fun fact there. <laughs> but um, no, I, I'm, I'm okay with both of them. They're, there's, it's a tough board. And it's the, the answer I keep going back to. There's when we think that, or, I shouldn't say we, when I think the pricing at the top is correct, there's only so many names once you get down into the $7,000 section that I view as being playable. And that's where David has actually made a really, really smart start by going with three of those options here. So he has turned this into a very difficult board for everybody else. And it probably was the optimal strategy that he took from the number one spot. I like it. I like it. All right. Audience, Byron, you are on the clock with your third pick. Who are you looking at here? So I'm not liking anything that the audience has put through so far. If you I'm don't take kidding. Ben I'm, Martin, I'm, you're going to be thrown <laughs> off the show. I'm just kidding. I wanted to get the audience riled up because that's what I want to do. Yeah. There's a guy that's been mentioned, and it's it's not Ben Martin, unfortunately, but... <laughs> He was in my little my motorboard article that we did with I did a fortune cookie filter where you take some key stats that you want to have each golfer do from they want to be above average in each of these essential categories that I have. And typically it kicks out guys that are like eighty five hundred bucks and higher. JJ Spawn kicked himself out in that fortune cookie filter. And it it makes a lot of sense. He's gonna be a guy that for his price, you want him to be above average in all of those key areas. And those key areas are um, some some nice proximity numbers around the green play. He's fantastic putting on Bermuda from 5 to 15 feet. He's just playing really good golf now. I think he's trending in the right direction from some, some match play things that we saw. He's just vibing pretty hard from that. And I think his game translates really nicely to this kind of a golf course. So JJ Spahn's our guy. I saw multiple people mention him, so I'm not... I'm not taking one off the top rope, yeah. I think JJ's a team audience pick in unanimity, 
And if that's even a word, the bush lights are starting to kick in now and we're having a good time with our roster. I love it. There you have it. J.J. Spawn was, is a surprising pick for me. How about you, David? Are you on J.J. Spawn? I am. And if you're in the Wind Daily Discord, you would have um, seen him within my selections this week at massive odds of 140 to 1. He's played well at this time of year, obviously um, won the Valero Texas Open around this time of year um, back in 2022. He's turning into to good form again. Um, he played very well at the Masters last year, and I think he'll be be slightly disappointed just to have missed out on the field um, by by a whisker. So um, I, I really like him in that sixty nine hundred range. I think he is criminally underpriced. I think he's excellent, excellent value. Um, like his tee time as well. There you have it, JJ Spawn. All right, Spence, with your third pick, you're going to need to get some value. Where are you looking? I'm going to take a chalky player that I'm going to get a little bit of value with, and I'll try to get different at some other point here. But I'm going to take Siwoo Kim at 7,600. So uh, he is fifth in my model when I ran it for uh, Harbor Town from a weighted tee to green perspective. That is 17 spots above his baseline for me. Uh, he's also been historically great on these Pete Dye, Jack Nicholas sort of designs. And he's inside the top 10 from that weighted proximity from 125 to 200 yards. So I like Siwoo Kim. It's we're kind of starting to hit like like to me. There's I don't know. I mean, I'd have to count them, but you know, there, there's a handful in the seven thousand dollar range that are playable. And then when you get down into the six thousand dollar range, there's really only a couple golfers I like. And uh, funny enough, with it, JJ Spawn would be one of those names that I am also on this week. So with him removed from the player pool, I'm going to condense this down a little bit more rather than trying to get myself into the six thousand dollar range. It's probably giving away too much strategy here, but. I try to filter this out with some $7,000 golfers to wrap this up. All right. So who was your pick? Uh, Siwoo Kim. Siwoo Kim. There you have it. Byron, are you considering Siwoo Kim at all this week? I I know Spencer mentioned he's going to get a little different elsewhere, but I'm not, I'm not necessarily – that interested in what Siwoo gets up to on this course at that kind of ownership this week. Um, I'm seeing him a little, little high this week for me, but also I'm not necessarily a Siwoo guy. You know, I, th- I think if you're a Siwoo dude, you're a, you know, a weekend week out kind of a player. I think he pops for you if you, if you like him that way. Although, you know, he's played relatively well around you. I don't dislike him. I think just the ownership's turning me off him a little bit. Makes sense. That makes sense. I sort of like the price. For Siwoo this week, that is for sure. Um, all right, I got my two picks here. Um, and I'm going to try and do my, – my strategy here is to try and go as balanced as I can with Patrick Cantlay. I don't want to dip down too far into that 7K range if I don't have to. So with that being said, um, I'm going to go ahead here and I'm going to take Sungjae M and Tyrell High. So what I'm doing here, I'm, I'm really trying to get guys with upside in this 8K range that I think can get can compete. If Patrick Hitley wins and Hatton Lowry and Sungjae can get me top 10s, I think I'm going to have a very, very competitive lineup. Um, you know, both guys, these are good, good, good course fit for both these guys. So, you know, we know they have that top 10 upside. We're getting a good course fit. Um, the course history is even there with both of them. There's just a lot to like. So I, I think it's also different because I think a lot of people are going to be going up and playing 
shuffler and can't lay and, and probably getting two studs. And if you do that, you can't really go fully balanced like I'm doing. So is my way of kind of getting a different type of build um, with some upside. How about you, David? Are you playing either Sungjae or Hatton this week? I mean, we've obviously got the wrist injury with Tua Hatton. So now that you've drafted him, 100% guaranteed he was forced <laughs> from this tournament. I mean, last week, not only did two of Joel's players withdraw, but Will Zalatoris is now out for the entire season after ending up on Joel's team. So that tells you everything that you need to know about what's going to happen with Tyrrell Hatton this week. I really like Sanjay, though. I think that his um, approach play um, really trends well for here. Um, and he could be the, the strongest driver in this golf course. He's that rare combination of distance along with accuracy, which around Heritage could just see him um, absolutely stripe this field. So I really like the in-play. Yeah, you're right. No, we're not going to see Zalatoris again this year. And we're probably not going to see Kevin now again this year on the PGA Tour. So um, it's not a good record for my draft guys that, that withdrawn from the tournament. Um, it's, I'm getting kind of flashbacks of Paul Casey all over again, and it's not good. So uh, I got to correct. I got to write the ship. My priority now is just get guys that play. Don't even worry about if they play good. Just play. Just play. That's enough. All right, Spence, with your fourth pick, who are you looking at? Yeah, and I, and I also like the Sungjae pick. I, I think we're in a position where the price continues to be too cheap on him. So um, I don't think it's some ash. Like, we've seen bigger ownership percentages on Sungjae in the past. At 16 17%, you can still find a way to work around it. I have no problem with that. I am going to go to a golfer at 7,500, and I'm going to take Gary Woodland. I have massive concerns about the short game, but it's kind of the answer that David alluded to earlier in the show. Small greens, I think that some of that gets lost. If you want to tell me that Woodland's problem ends up being his sand save percentage, I could buy that. I think that's a big potential problem that he could run into. But this is vintage Gary Woodland ball striking with the numbers that I've gotten from him in 2023. And I'm willing to bet on that upside. Like he's seventh in this field in strokes gain off the tee over the last 24 rounds. He's 19th in my model in strokes gained approach. Um, I think there's a lot of upside here. I know he just played four tough, hard rounds at the masters, but I think this is a good course setup for him on these small greens here. I, I really like Gary Woodland. I liked him last week too. I was playing them in showdown. The ball striking is definitely there. And I like, I think you nailed it. I think the small greens, like his putting is his downside and you know, he's never going to be an elite putter, but if these small greens neutralize that putting a little bit, you know, I think he can compete with the top dogs with the ball striking. So I, I think that's a really good value pick there. Uh, how about you, Byron? Are you looking at uh, Gary Woodland at all this week? No, I'm not. <laughs> I hate. I'm just like hashing on everyone's on Spencer's picture. Uh, Gary's short game is a big issue for me, and I think the around the green play in particular is something I I'm weighing quite heavily this week. And I think Gary, unfortunately, just can't can't quite get there for me on that respect. But I've just I've just never played him. You know, I just let him do his thing. I. I saw him at the top of the Masters, which and I was very surprised. So maybe, you know, he's kind of figured some stuff out or maybe it was a flash in the pan. But I, I can't necessarily say I'm going to be um, too pumped about Woodland. There's someone else that's $400 more expensive that the audience has mentioned that I'm I'm in on. So um, All right, well, we're on the edge of our seat. Who is it? Cool. But before we get there, I know Zach Jeff has mentioned that the police are showing up to your house, but I think it's more the ambulance that's dropping off like half your lineup from last week. So I just wanted to put that out there. Um, good, good liner there, Zach. Um, so Corey Connors was mentioned by the, the chat and I'm, I've got him here highlighted pink for myself and I love what we're getting from Corey Connors. 
if you go and take a look at wildlife country club seaside golf courses you know plantation and seaside at, at the rsm classic take a look at colonial some beautiful calm courses that Corey connors is rating out third in my model at and he's just a ball striking feast beast sorry he's a feast and a beast but he's going to feast on the ball striking here this week um and I, I love I just said I don't like Gary Woodland because of the short game. And here we are busy playing Corey Connors. So Spencer, take that with a grain of salt. But just so much to like about Connors this week. I think he's consistency. Just he's that little ropey draw off the tee each time he goes. And um, he's played nicely around here. And he, he missed a cut last week. So he's not having to dry out his socks and shoes. He's going to be just fine um, going in, into the week this week. And I, I really like Corey Connors at that price. Um, expect only one from him this week too. I like it. Corey Connors is a good bounce back candidate. Um, certainly, of course, he likes. I am a little concerned on the ownership number on him, but how about you, Spencer? Are you looking at Connors at all this week? I mean, even if I like Corey Connors, I feel like at this point I have to just say I hate it to equal this <laughs> out a little bit. So I, I hate the pick. <laughs> Worst pick I've ever seen, Byron. <laughs> <laughs> well, the hey. battle is on. There is a battle between Spencer and Byron audience team this week. That is heating up. I like this rivalry. I think this battle needs to be tracked. I think there should be a wager on it, maybe. I think something needs to happen between this matchup. So you, you know what's really funny, Joel, is we did a two-hour master <laughs> show together. And this is exactly what happened for two hours. I said I liked the player, he didn't. He said he liked the player. I didn't. I think the results for the most part ended up being 50-50 on it. Like you were correct on the Cameron Young call where I wasn't, and I was correct in some other areas with it. But I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm all jokes aside. I, I don't want to give an answer like that. Like Connors is is fine this week. He grades well in my model. Boom! There you have it. All right, we're back to you, David. You got two here. You have plenty of money to spend. Where are you going with that? Yeah, just, just to touch on Connors quickly, I only have him at 8% ownership, which I think is a reaction to the fact he was such like mega chalk last week and burned so many people that, you know, if we just put a line through it and um, and look at his his metrics, he, he seems to suit this course pretty well. And if we're looking at guys like Luke List, who have played really well around the heritage, um, then Corey Connors and Gary Woodland kind of fit their bill of guys who can't putt but um, who can, can strike the ball. I, I'm going to make perhaps a slightly surprising pick, but it goes back to what Spencer's saying in his course breakdown about guys like Cam Davis, who have played really well here, managing to club down off the tee, and that's Wyndham Clark. I don't know why Wyndham Clark is priced as low as he is. I mean, Data Golf at the moment have him ranked in the top, uh, I think he's 32nd, let me just confirm that, but they, they, they have him rated extremely highly, and his official world golf ranking has not met um, that projection, yes, yeah, so they have him 26th on data golf. World golf ranking is 84th. That for me is always a prime spot. We're going to expect to see some correction at some point where those metrics eventually play out into a win. Wyndham Clark has um, the, the driving accuracy off the tee issue, which I think a lot of people are going to go off him off the back of that. The fact is, is he's gained on driving accuracy his last two appearances um, at this course compared to the field. He gained on driving accuracy at the Players' Championship. He gained or driving X3 at the Valspar Championship. So he has shown a tendency at these courses where he does need to be more positional, that he can club down off the tee given his, his distance. And his approach metrics are just like absolute fire at the moment. So sixth in Punakana, whatever, weaker field, but still a good performance. But fifth at the Valspar, he was 27th at the players. 
he hasn't missed a cut since the zo- uh, since the Shriners at October last year, where um, myself and Spence went went and um, watched the first round there together. Um, so he, he's in absolutely fire form at the moment, and and I expect him to really really pop um, at this course at, at just a ridiculously cheap price for me. Um, that that leaves me, leaves me in a position where I've got a ton of money, so I'm going to go and get one of the studs, and I'll take on. Colin Morikawa, possibly the greatest approach player in the game right now. Driving accuracy is obviously on point. He performed really well at the Masters, and I don't think the Masters is the best course for Colin Morikawa. You need distance off the tee, and last week, more so than most, a really wet Masters where it was playing incredibly long. I mean, that course was playing at like 7,800 yards realistically when we take into the fact that the runout just wasn't there. And he, he finished um, in a great position. So I think this is a course that fits him better, and he's playing some really good golf. And if he won, it would be absolutely no surprise whatsoever. I uh, I do want to I – lo- I love both your picks. I think that was a really yeah. great turn you just had there. Uh, not much I need to say about Morikawa. Everyone knows what Morikawa is, ball shaking. But I want to touch on Wyndham Clark. Wyndham, I made a main lineup that I'm going to play this week, but I had Wyndham Clark in too. I love Wyndham Clark this week. And one of the reasons is, all the reasons you said, the ball striking is there. The, I actually think this is a good course fit from the fact that, like like you said, I think it can neutralize his biggest weakness, which is the wildness off the tee. Um, but the biggest thing about Wyndham Clark is, there's a few guys in the 7K range that are looking very chalky. And it just feels like everyone's going to those guys. And Wyndham Clark's not one of them. And I do think he possesses as much, if not more, upside. So I think he's a great pivot in the 7K range to be able to play someone with a lot of upside where you can get away from kind of that chalk that everyone's going to. Um, I mean, I I have him at the moment at 5.5%, and he's priced at $7,600, which just seems absurd to me. Agreed. Because I originally had a few other guys in the 7K range there, and I was just like, at this ownership – it just makes way more sense to play Clark than pay up at the 15 to 20% ownership. So I am definitely with you on the Clark pick. All right, Byron, your fifth pick here. You got a decent amount of money to spend. Where are you and the audience going to go? Yeah, and just a little quick little, if you're struggling to figure out if a guy that's got accuracy off the tee is a problem, Wyndham Clark is one of the best iron players, and he's also one of the longest iron players. Uh, you know, hitters on tour. So if you've got really good iron play and you hit it really far, it means you can probably hit a three iron like 250 yards. And that's what you need on this golf course. So he's going to hit it pretty straight. So love that pick, David. I really like Wyndham Clark. And I have got zero qualms with what the audience is suggesting today. I, in fact, have a JT Poston outright. I mean, you can't, you can't deny how well, if you, this golf course has got really good correlation history for, for past success. And JT Poston has the second best course history behind Patrick Cantley in my model over the last five years. You know, if you're taking an average strokes gained approach on that thing, he's fantastic. I think he's missed one cut and then had three top tens. So just everything about JT Poston's game makes, like, I try to explain earlier on my pod why he plays well around here. And I just look at his stats and it doesn't make sense. So I, I was just mumbling my way through it. But if you're going to go off of purely course history and looking at his recent ball striking, kind of trending in the right direction, he stopped missing those five-foot bricks. You know, he's not throwing bricks from five feet anymore. Played nicely at Augusta. A lot to like about the postman going into Town, folks. I love the audience pick there. Um, very easy to make that decision. There you have it. I like JC Poston a lot. Um 
I was going to take him with one of my last two picks if he was left. So nice. I think he's a good pick here. You know, my one concern is that because of his incredibly good course history and what we said earlier in that this is a much better field than we typically have at this course. I do think he'll probably end up over-owned than he should be. Um, but if you're going to play someone at 7,300 to make your lineup work, you know, I think he's as good of a, of a shot as anyone else in that range. Um, all right. How about you, Spence, your fifth pick? Who are you looking at? I am a glutton for punishment with this player, and the ownership is a little bit higher than I would care to see, but I actually think it's lower from the course history that he's provided just because of the current form that he's been bringing to the table, but I am going to play Cameron Davis at 7,100. I'm not going to give a long answer to this. I mean, it really comes down to the par five scoring that he has and the weighted proximity. I think a club down spot has historically been very good for him. We don't have to look any further than the two top 25s that he's had here, but you can look at a lot of other courses out there where the same answer comes into play with him. So I think Davis's upside sometimes tends to be better at these courses, 7,200 yards and less than when we get these bomber fests where yes, he has the distance, but that inaccuracy kind of bites him in the ass sometimes. There you have it. Uh, I think it makes a really good point. Um, if, through the sake of time, we'll keep this thing moving and we'll get these kind of final few picks in. You know, Cameron Davis, I have no problem with anyone playing 7,100. I think he's certainly someone in that range that can have, post a good result. Uh, my last two picks, I've got to find some value. There's a handful of guys here that I was weighing between. Uh, but I'm going to end up with my first pick is going to be uh, Matt Wallace. You know, Matt Wallace is someone who yeah, I think is just playing really well. His ball striking is round the green game. His overall game is really strong. Um, I think it's just I'm just going to go on form. And his course history is really not bad either. But at 7,300, I think you can get another good result from Wallace this week. And then I'm going to pair him with – I'm actually right now deciding between two guys um, – and I'll, I'll just tell you who they are. It's between Sam Ryder and Seamus Power. Um, Seamus Power being just the long-term, have been playing really well. It feels like the safer bet. It's definitely a lot more volatility in, in the Ryder pick. Uh, but Ryder's putting is, is unreal right now. And it's been consistently unreal. The last time he played, he gave his face a third-place finish, and he paired it with ball striking. Where you kind of cringe a little bit with Ryder is um, off the tee, which, again, can this be a spot where he neutralizes that? And then he has a great result. So I'm going to go for the upside play with Ryder in my last pick uh, and hope that he has one of those nuclear weeks where he just makes every putt, strikes the ball well, and maybe gets us a top 15 or something like that. All right, Spence, with your last pick, who are you looking at? I have like one of those good versus evil situations going on right now on my shoulders where the one side is just screaming to take Webb Simpson because it needs to be done. <laughs> And then the other side is like saying that's probably not the best decision to be made here. Specifically, I give that answer too because of the ownership I have. Like, I have some reduction in Gary Woodland, but there's a lot of chalk here with Scheffler Finau. I think Siwoo's one of the most popular players in the $7,000 range. Cameron Davis is going to be super popular. So I'm going to take a golfer that I think is relatively safe at $7,000 to make the cut. And hopefully I can get more out of him. He can come top 40 all the better with it, but I'm going to take Steven Yeager at 7,000. I'm a fan of Yeager. He's usually a value play guy I like to target. How about you, Byron? Do you play – will you have any Yeager in your lineups this week? 
I assume no, no we I'm, can I'm, just pass it. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I actually like Jaeger. I think he's a great fantasy option. Um, you know, I like what he can provide you from a, a point scoring perspective and just he's volatile and not a lot of people you know know about him and i think the fact that i'm scrambling to kind of give a reasonable answer about him is exactly proving my point so um i'll join spencer on that one i'll tell you what i'll even make this deal if jaeger wins the tournament i will do a jaeger bomb on the next draft cast for you spence i appreciate it it might might happen i i i don't think he's gonna win the tournament but i do think he's good value in like i think he's a good top 40 bet at plus 150 that's an intriguing value for me for a golfer that has been relatively safe to begin this season. Yeah, and listen, he doesn't need to win the tournament to pay off his 7K price exactly. tag if he gets you top 25. Right? I think that that would do it. So, um, All right, Byron, with the last pick, you and the audience. Audience doesn't have too many nominations in. You have 9,100. You got plenty to spend on this last pick. Where are you guys looking? I know. It's it's disappointing because the only options they've given me is a guy I've shot down already. So we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna grab him back out the ambulance that's parked in the back of Joel's yard and and maybe throw him into into our lineup here unless something comes through. But people are, are the people are calling for JT and in I'll as an audience advocate I'll let it slide. You know we can't all have what we want, but if I did, I would have gone max home at ninety one hundred dollars. I just think Max is just way more consistent than JT right now. And he's won three times this year. Like, are we just going to, what, what happened to Max at the masters is, is something that was most likely going to happen anyway. It, it was one thing Spencer was right about on our show is I was a very big Max Homer Homer and it wasn't the right call because the course history wasn't, it doesn't fit his game. I don't know why he struggles around there, but he does. Maybe the moment's just too big for him, but I think he's just, he's, Jay, Justin Thomas is going out of the top 10 in the world rankings, and Max Homer's entered the top 10. He's fifth in the world right now, won three times. Why do we want JT over Max Homer audience? I don't know, but we're going with JT. So it is what it is, um, unless we can get a an amendment on a, on a JT gate, but I think we're going to have to go with him. I got to say, the rivalry is heating up. I heard that that subtle jab, the yeah. one thing you got right last week. It's tough, by that. I like it. I like no, it. I said one of the things. Oh, we were disagreeing yeah. all the time. Play, play back the tape. I agree with Joel on that one. <laughs> <laughs> the battle continues. All right, David, with the last pick in the draft cast this week, how are you closing out this lineup? Yeah, I'm going to look to actually leave a bit of money on the table. Again, I just think it makes me a little bit different. I kind of probably favor this kind of middle build um, kind of lineup this week. I think this is such a particular, peculiar golf course compared to what we see on the PGA Tour really uh, for the entire year that um, you can get a little bit different and stick with some of those guys down the middle. I'm between two names. I've got Matt Fitzpatrick and Tom Kim, who I can afford both. Matt Fitzpatrick, for me, I think that we can actually put that injury aside a little bit now. Um, his ball striking has been really good, and the the putting in the around the green game is really starting to trend in the right direction again. He had a great week at the Masters, finished 10th before that. Um, the, the match play was pretty indifferent, but um, the, the biggest game for me was that his approach play really started to trend in the right direction at the Masters. I'm going to go to who I think is possibly one of the best course fits in Tom Kim. We still don't know exactly what this guy's ceiling is. 
22nd in the world, according to Data Golf. Driving X3 approach around the green, all key aspects for success this week for me. He takes all of those boxes and spades. Um, and we, we began to see him turning it around at the Masters last week, in my opinion, when he was 16th. You know, I think we all expect Tom Kim to just go out and win every tournament because the talent we, we can see is obviously there. And we have to remember this is still a really young golfer, but he hasn't missed a cut since January. So he's he's in reasonable form. Is it the elite form that we perhaps expected him to just carry on with? No, but I think the win at the Sedgefield um, Country Club, the, the win at the Wyndham Championship, is really highly correlated to here, and I expect him to go out and have a have a good week. He profiles kind of similar to Colin Morikawa in that respect. Well, you'll never get a complaint from me about Tom Kim. I love me some Tom Kim, and I agree. This does seem to be a course fit, so I like that pick. One thing I, I did find really interesting is we've only drafted one player below in the six on the sixth mm-hmm. Um, Other than that, we stayed above it. Coach, what you need to know? I think with these loaded fields. Um, it's tough for that those guys to to get up and compete. You really there's a certain kind of caliber of golfer that you kind of need when you start getting the likes of everyone in the field. So um, interesting thought, but we're not done yet. Please do us a favor before we wrap up the draft. Hit the like button. Give us a follow. It goes a long way. We're gonna post these lineups, and everyone's gonna want to know who won between Byron and Spencer because this rivalry is heating up. And this is the inaugural matchup. So we'll post it. We'll let you know. Follow along. But before we do, let us know which team you guys think is going to win. Who are you liking uh, to come out best on Sunday? Before we go, yeah, though, can it sounds like the chat was just chatting about JT. So can we change Justin Thomas to Max Homer? Oh, oh. after another pick was taken? Gandalf. They wow. were they were just discussing it. So I was just being courteous wow. and, and trying wow. to just, you know, put the show in the right direction. But I I would feel terrible putting Justin Thomas in if they were just literally talking about him. That's but also it's up to you guys. Can we propose something? Why don't we for the next minute, audience, go hard in the chat. Whoever gets the most names, Homer or Thomas, is the audience's pick. You've got one minute starting from now. Go. Yes, I like that. All right, audience, you got one minute. While you do that, I'm going to take the draft board down. I'll leave it up, just in case we have to make a change. I'll leave it up for now. Um, guys, I'll, I'll have a, I can t- I'll, what I want to talk about actually is a little bit is that you mentioned about the 6K guys. I've got a couple of names down there that people should possibly be considering. Andrew Putnam for me, I think he rates really well. I think he's got upside. Um, he advanced in the match play as well from his group, and he's in decent form. So, I think he's worth having a look. Um, I like Ben Griffin down there as well as Joel Damon and Brendan Todd. I mean, this is the kind of course where Brendan Todd has to play well because he just simply can't compete at some of those other tournaments where you are going to need a bit more distance off the tee and he's got very, very good history here. So I think that um, that those options... Uh, I'm not seeing many names in the chat, so maybe you guys just want to do want to stick with Thomas. You've got two options, Justin Thomas, Max Homer, audience. This is your your moment to shine. I said, I've seen enough at this point. There hasn't been anything there. No change. The pick stays. Just, and then what's going to happen? Justin Thomas is going to go out and have a great result. Lindsay, you are way too Lindsay. late. Lindsay, she's in. <laughs> at the bell. I mean, I'll give my two cents here. We, I'm fine letting Byron do it. I don't know if you saw during the show. I was on my phone. 
I was sending a complaint to Rotoballer, so Byron might be out of job <laughs> at that company at this point. So uh, let, let him let him have Max Homa as a parting gift here. I'm 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 going to allow it because Spencer gave you the okay. And if your biggest rival is going to give you the okay, then, then I'll allow it. So you got Max Homa. I'm now almost positive JT's going to win the tournament. <laughs> I know. I know. Thomas so wins. Max Homa misses the cut. I actually need to find a way to get JT in my lineup because that is definitely going to happen. But as we bring the draft board down, we'll get ready for some first round leaders. Um, David, we'll start with you. Who are you looking at in the first round leader market? Yeah, so. Definitely want to be going morning for me um, on the first round leader market. Um, it does look like there's some possibility of um, high winds on Thursday afternoon and some thunderstorms coming through. Those same thunderstorms looked hanging around on Friday, so it's really difficult to p- pick which weather edge is going to end up having the advantage because I do suspect we'll end up with some delays over the first couple of days. But certainly on the Thursday, I want to go AM for that that first round leader market. So for me, I really like Siwoo Kim. You can get him on Fangel at plus 7,500. Um, most other places, he's um, about plus 6,000. Then I really like Matt Kucha. He can come out and have a really good week this week. Get him at um, 5,500 over at DraftKings, 5,500 over at um, MGM as well. JJ Spawn, I think that he can come out and just really light up um, in one round. 110 to 1 on um, Fangel at the moment for him. Again, going off in the morning, I think he's going to have an advantage with the weather there as well. Another name that didn't get mentioned this week, who I think can certainly spike for at least one round. I don't know if he's got the talent to win in this field, but Sam Stevens, we didn't mention him on the show. I think that he's got a lot of potential. He's obviously a rising star. You can get him at um, plus 125, um, and uh, sorry, 125,000 at um, overseas books. Um, and just plus 1,000 over at uh, plus 10,000, sorry, at DraftKings and at MG. There you have it. I love it. I love it. All right, Byron, who do you like in the first round leader market this week? All right. So I've got a guy that's sitting at four th- plus 4,000, 40 to 1, Justin Thomas. I'm just joking. We are not going with Justin <laughs> Thomas. All right. So we're going to scoot down the board. It's going to be a Corey Connors at 66 to 1 on Bet Rivers. Sahith the Gala at 66 to 1. JT Poston at 70. Taylor Montgomery at 80. We got Webb Simpson and Wyndham Clark at 80 apiece. And then we got Sam Ryder at whatever the hell his number is. It's way down the board. So I think like 125 to 1. And I just love Sam Ryder. He's the best putter in the world right now, Joel. I love your pick there. He's he is like if you look since it's tournament of champions, no one is outputting him right now, and, and it, all it takes is one good iron round and he's golden. And it's like he's getting some big putting results. Like we're not just talking like he gained three or four strokes; he's getting nine strokes gained putting consistently. Like, yeah, it's it's been impressive. And if he can re- replicate the ball striking to go with that, I agree. I think Sam Ryder can be a very dangerous play this week. Um, all right, Spence, who are you targeting in the first round leader market? So, I mean, on any general week, I tend to agree that the morning time is better. I do agree with David that I think you would probably more so prefer to have them in the morning. And I'm giving that answer to say I have three players later on. These were just number grabs for me on prices that I thought were way too high. So I took Tony Finau at 48 to 1 on FanDuel. I took Sung Im at 45 to 1 on FanDuel. And I took Russell Henley at 60 to 1 at BetMGM. 
Oh, there you have it. I love it for me. I am adding, because I really like the call, Sam Ryder to my first round leader market at 110 to 1. Um, to go with him, I also like a guy we spoke about a lot already tonight, Wyndham Clark. And 80 to 1 is a big number. I think he can come out and have a hot first round in that first round leader market. I think mean, to go back up to my more, to the more favorite plays to, in, in this, I like Terrell Hatton at 50 to 1. Um, and I like. Again, another one of David's picks, Colin Morikawa at 35 to 1. That's a wrap for tonight. I'm really excited for this tournament. I do think there's a little bit of a Masters hangover just in general in the industry. I think it's a great week for us to attack. There's a fully loaded field. It's going to be a fun tournament to watch. Um, Byron, big thank you for coming on tonight and drafting with us. Uh, your insight was incredible. Uh, I'm interested to see where this new rivalry between you and Spencer goes. It's certainly very entertaining. We'll definitely have you back on again. Good luck to you. Did I forget anything, fellas? I mean, we didn't speak about Jordan Spieth at all today. And he's the defending champion. He's just had another great week of the Masters. And he could win. He is again. confirmed tired. That we do. He's tired. You do know. He said he's tired, which, he's which tired. probably also means that he'll win. But I will say that probably means he's going to go under owned because he said he was tired. And I mean, he's playing. I'm sure he's a, you know, what is he, 30 years old? I'm sure he can play more golf. So um, I probably think the ownership is going down more than it probably should because he said he was tired. What ownership do you guys see on him right now? I had Spieth as the lowest over 10K, and I have him at about 18%. Yeah, I have him at 17%, but I've seen that trending down too. Like I, I wouldn't be, sh I, I don't know where that's going to land, but I, I mean, I still tend to think that that's too much. Like if you could tell me he was going to be 10%, I'd be more intrigued, but I don't think we're going to get there. I do. I have 18%. I think that's going down. So it's, it, right now it feels like a big question mark. So don't forget to go into discord. Steven will be posting the ownership article on Wednesday. It's the most accurate one. You'll get a better idea of your ownership. It is going to be very important when making your picks this week. Good luck and sports. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.